For daughters, there are few influences more powerful than the women who come before us. I was lucky enough to grow up with a great-grandmother, Big Mama, who was revered for her inner strength and her unflappable optimism, and a grandmother whose life revolved around her grandkids. My relationship with my own mom, though, had its ups and downs. We argued, we butted heads, and we never got as close as I would have liked for us to. While I didn't always think she liked me, I never doubted for one instant she loved me. A lot of people aren't so fortunate. On today's episode, we'll explore the case of Diane and Rachel Stout and a mother-daughter bond that was deadly. In June of 2013, Sarah Stoudy was rushed to the hospital. The 24-year-old had recently graduated from Missouri State University and had no known health problems. Doctors were baffled as to why this young woman would suddenly experience flu-like symptoms so severe that her vital organs had begun to shut down. What was clear was that Sarah was fighting for her life. If this had been an isolated case, the Springfield, Missouri police would never have heard of Sarah Stoudy. But soon after Sarah was hospitalized, the Missouri Police Department received an anonymous tip suggesting the young woman had been poisoned. Sarah's illness was remarkably similar to two other seemingly healthy family members, both of whom had died. The case, as it turns out, was anything but isolated in the Stoudy family. Who would have a reason to poison a 24-year-old woman who had barely started her life? Detective Neil McAmos decided to follow up on the anonymous lead and took a closer look at Sarah's family. The closer he looked, the more he realized the anonymous caller just might be right. The Stoudy family of six was now down to three. Sarah's father, Mark Stoudy, had died in April of 2012, and her 26-year-old brother, had died just five months later in September. When Detective McAmos started looking into Sarah's illness, the first thing that caught his attention was the fact that another anonymous tip had been called in after Mark and Sean died. This tip also suggested poisoning. At the time this tip had been received, police hadn't believed it warranted an investigation. After all, the medical examiner had ruled both deaths to be from natural causes and the bodies had been cremated shortly after their deaths. One anonymous tip alone wasn't enough to raise alarms. But two anonymous tips and two dead family members with a third in critical condition in little over a year's time, that warranted a careful look. When McAmos checked the medical examiner's reports on the father and brother, he found some troubling similarities. Both men had a ring of blood around their mouths when they died. Although his wife, Diane, said that 61-year-old Mark Stoudy had had seizures in the weeks leading up to his death, he had no documented history of any illness or health problems. 26-year-old Sean was autistic and did have a history of seizures. However, there were no other health-related condition to account for his flu-like symptoms or sudden death. Concerned, 
Detectives now went to the hospital and spoke to several nurses, staff members, and physicians about Sarah Stoudy's illness. Sarah's nurses said that her mother's behavior had been extremely odd, especially under the circumstances. Diane rarely came to visit her daughter and barely spoke to her when she did. She didn't seem curious or concerned about her daughter's condition and had even jokingly made it clear that her daughter's medical problems were not going to wreck her plans for an upcoming Florida vacation. One doctor said that after performing several medical tests that failed to detect the cause of Sarah's organ failure, he had wondered if she might have been poisoned. To get a better understanding of the family dynamics, police brought Diane and her 22-year-old daughter, Rachel, into the station for an interview. Diane said that she and Mark had met while attending St. John's College, a two-year school in Winfield, Kansas, affiliated with the Lutheran Church. They married on December 28, 1985, and their son, Sean, was born six months later. They went on to have three more children, Sarah, Rachel, and Brianna. At the time of his death, Mark Stoudy was a stay-at-home father and the lead vocalist in a blues band called Messing with Destiny. He was also a devout church member. Diane worked full-time at United Healthcare, played the organ for the church, and was the main breadwinner for her family. Neighbors and acquaintances described her as quiet and hardworking. Due to his autism, 26-year-old Sean was still living at home. Sarah, too, had recently moved back in, as she had yet to find a job after graduating from college. Rachel was attending Missouri State University as a senior, and the youngest, Brianna, was only 11. During the interrogation, Diane Stoudy eventually admitted to poisoning her husband, Mark, by putting antifreeze in his drinks. She told detectives that he threw things at her and at the children. She blamed him for not earning an income. Diane said that she had finally just had enough and was relieved when he died. Detectives later said that Diane never expressed any remorse for killing her husband of more than 25 years and in fact consistently implied that it was his own fault that she had killed him. It was different with her children though. Initially, Diane denied poisoning them. After a while, she admitted to also poisoning both Sean and Sarah with antifreeze. Diane said that Sean had been a pest and that he was just a burden to her. Sarah, Diane said, was lazy. She didn't help around the house, she wasn't motivated to get a job, and her student loan payments were about to start. In contrast, Diane spoke glowingly about her 22-year-old daughter, Rachel. She said that she would never have harmed her younger two daughters because she loved them both. She took full responsibility for poisoning her husband, her son, and her oldest daughter. This seemed like an open and shut case. However, when police searched the Stoudy house, they found an entry in Rachel Stoudy's diary that indicated that she knew her mother was planning to kill her father and brother more than a year before they died. Rachel was brought in for questioning. She initially claimed that the diary entry was about a dream she had had that her father and brother were going to die. After further questioning, she admitted the truth. She had been helping her mother plan and carry out her family members' deaths. Rachel helped her mother research methods of poisoning. They eventually settled on antifreeze. The antifreeze sold in local stores had a bitter flavor to prevent people from accidentally drinking it. 
so they specifically looked for an antifreeze with no taste and bought it online. Rachel claimed that she initially argued with her mother about poisoning her brother, Sean. She wanted to put him in assisted living instead, but eventually gave in to her mother. She also said that the only reason that they had called an ambulance for her sister was so that Sarah wouldn't die at home. They weren't trying to save Sarah's life. Rachel just didn't like the feeling left in the house after her father and brother had died, so she wanted Sarah to die in the hospital instead. According to Rachel, the plan was that Brianna, her 11-year-old sister, would die next. Only Rachel and her mother, Diana, would be left, the now carefree mother and her golden child. Rachel and Diane were charged in the deaths of Sean and Mark, as well as Sarah's poisoning. Diane pleaded guilty to first-degree murder for the deaths of Sean and Mark and to assault charges for the poisoning of Sarah. She avoided the death penalty but was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Rachel took a plea deal, which reduced her charges to secondary murder. She was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole and will be eligible for parole after 42 and a half years behind bars. Sarah survived the poisoning attack, but she will deal with neurological damage for the rest of her life, as well as the reality that her own mother and sister destroyed their family and tried to kill her. She currently lives in an assisted living facility and says she forgives her mother and sister because she is a Christian and this choice allows her to feel like a survivor instead of a victim. And the anonymous tipster turned out to be the pastor at Diane and Mark's church, who after watching the series of events unfold at the Stouty House and observing Diane's indifference to her family's suffering, could no longer keep silent. We all learn what love is from the people who raise us. Unfortunately, Diane's distorted idea of love meant teaching her daughter Rachel that being special and getting her mother's love and affection was more important than right and wrong, and ultimately included killing off her father and brother. And for Rachel, being the favorite child carried a high price tag, imprisonment for the rest of her life. Please look for my upcoming segment on the pathological parent in our featured crime analysis. We'll talk about how having a toxic parent-child relationship can have a lifelong impact or motivate us to help others. Thank you for watching this episode of Unmasking and Murder. If you haven't already subscribed to our channel, I'd be thrilled if you'd consider it. Please tell your friends about us. And if there's a particular case you'd like us to cover, please let us know. Until next time, we try to unmask another murder.